Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, another edition of the Eagle Hour. We're at the First Bank Studios in Laurel this afternoon. Dalton Stanford Esquire is back at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us wherever you are around the Super Talk Radio Network this afternoon. Always glad to uh, talk Golden Eagle Sports with you on the Eagle Hour. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of this show, and, of course, Southern Miss Athletics. Great caterers. If you've got a special event coming up, we would suggest you sit back, relax, make one phone call, and let Dickey's do the cooking for you. They'll they'll cater any event, large or small. They'll uh, deliver it. They'll even uh, set it up. They'll set it up, even deliver it for you, and even serve it for you is what I'm trying to say. Uh, they'll make it easy. Big event, small event, doesn't matter. Dickey's Barbecue Pit is your go-to place for fall catering. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald will join us later in the show. In just a moment, Joey Pinkston on the Eagle Hour. But, Luke, uh, back uh, with you in Laurel and a beautiful day here in downtown. Oh, it's beautiful, but it feels like it should be August uh, the 18th and not September the 18th. It's just amazing how, how hot it is. And, uh, you know, we really are. We're, we're in week four of the college football season. You feel like you're still in two days. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're anxiously awaiting the arrival of fall, safe to say. All right. Our first guest played football for the Golden Eagles from 1999 through 2000. That means he was on the last team to defeat the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. We welcome Joey Pinkston to the Eagle Hour. And, uh, Joey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to have you. I want to take you back 19 years ago. The year is 2000. You okay. and your fellow Golden Eagles go to, go to Birmingham, Alabama, and it's hard to believe looking back. You not only beat Alabama, you beat Alabama 21 to nothing. Take us back to that day, Joey. Oh, uh, that, that was that was a good time. Um, we just came in well prepared, and coming from the Conference USA, most SEC teams team to, uh, seems to underestimate the talent that we have. So we just knew we was well uh, prepared and we practiced hard all week and we came in and we hit them right in the mouth. What Do you recall what what the reaction of the Alabama players was? Because they're not used to losing games 21 to nothing, <laughs> even back in the year 2000. How did, how did they react uh, as the game uh, progressed, Joey? They they was well shocked. They were shocked. They they didn't know that we was, we was uh, as good of a team as they thought. You know, so um, I, I think we caught them by surprise. Is that the is that game your fondest memory, or are there others that uh, go back through your career that you think fondly about? Um, that's that may be the top one because, like you said, we shut them out twenty one zero. And um, maybe the one from Nebraska, even though we didn't win that game, but, you know, their fans stood up and cheered for us as we left the field. I think we lost that game maybe by six, three points or six points, 
if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joey, Luke Johnson here. Thanks for being on the show today. Going back to that, that Bama game, you know, I think all the points were scored in the first half. Ray Walls uh, got a pick six. But uh, yes, Jeff hits Leroy in the end zone. And then do you remember what happened the following kickoff? Uh, I think the following kickoff, we went down and we um, – I think we hit him and we recovered a fumble from them, if I'm not mistaken. Zad Houston lit up, uh, I believe, the, whoever the returner was. Joe Henley did a scoop and score. And, That's right. I mean, I remember when my senior year at Bama, we went up 21-10, to 10, kind of the same thing. Gerald McGrath got a pick six. And I remember mm-hmm. we were on the sidelines, and, I mean, even though we expected to win, we were kind of looking around saying, we're beating Alabama by two-plus <laughs> scores, you know, in their stadium. Was that the same type of reaction you guys had early in that second quarter? Um, I, I, I don't think we we was too much like that. I, I just I just know that we were well prepared. And we had in our mind that we we was capable and able to beat them, you know. So it, it wasn't of a bigger surprise for us as it was for them. Talk about that 2000 team because I think a lot of guys on that 2000 team felt like you had a couple more wins you could have got. Everybody uh, remembers we were rolling along. We got up to 13th, and then we had you know the trouble at Louisville at home. But that right. 2000 squad in some ways was just as good as the 97 and 99 squad. That's right. That was uh, a great group of guys. A uh, fun time to be around them. Fun, fun team to be around. And uh, I think Bauer that gives gives a lot of credit to Coach Bauer for his recruiting as well. Um, you can't ask for better players like that. You had Derek Nix, Leo Barnes, Chad Williams, like you said, Ray Walls, Jeff Kelly. Uh, that's just to name a few guys. DeQuincy Scott, you know, uh, Seth Scott. Uh, it was just a good team to be around. You know, and a lot of a lot of talent. At every position, so everybody, you know, here's your last name, and of course remembers uh, your brother. <laughs> what was he the reason you ended up at Southern Miss in '99? Uh, part of it. <laughs> I say part of it. it. It was just um, I haven't played ball with him um, since high school on the same team. So yeah, he, um, once I came on a visit, I had other, other offers as well. So I. Um, just wanted to play ball with him one more time. At Southern Mission, it was just a good program to come and play with him. So that's why I ended up at Southern so, Mission. So, Joy, where are you now and what are you doing? Uh, actually, I'm still in Hattiesburg. Um, I live in Oak Grove now mm-hmm. in Hattiesburg. I'm um, currently married to my wife, uh, Shalonda Pinkston. We have uh, four kids. Um, and um, what I do now, I do, I'm do. i a consultant. Um, what it is, uh, I'm an EMR consultant. I travel around... Um, around the country, and I uh, go into the hospitals and some to, uh, to some of the medical clinics. I teach the doctors and the nurses the software system. No, I got you. You know, you said you went into the Alabama game and you guys were confident that you could beat them and, uh, and you felt prepared. What advice would you have for these kids that are going over there, I guess would be leaving tomorrow and facing the number two team in the country, Joey? Uh, the only thing I say, believe, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Trust, trust your, your your coach, and and just trust that he'll put you in the best position to win. Mm-hmm. What What do you think the Golden Eagles have to do to have a chance? Uh, eliminate turnovers. Eliminate turnovers, and, and just play consistent, uh, hard nosed football like they know how to play. Um, right. I would say just don't 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 get behind. Well, I ain't gonna say don't get behind. If they catch themselves in you know getting behind, just don't panic. You know, just take it one play at a time. If they make a mental mistake, you know, just 
story in the back of your head and come back and make a play again. Right. Well, look, man, we really appreciate your time uh, and uh, that you participated in the football program, all the contributions you made, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on the Eagle Hour. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. All right. Joey Pinkston, everybody, from the last team to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide 19 years ago. Luke, how much of – how much has the landscape changed in that period of time? It's changed a lot. Uh, Alabama was number three preseason that year, and they rolled in. I think they lost. Uh, they were one and one when we faced them. They were 15th. But one of the special things, and this just goes back to uh, that 2000 team was ranked in the top 25 until the last three weeks of the regular season. Now you mm-hmm. think about that. Mm-hmm. Even though they lost midseason to Louisville, they didn't drop out. Um, it just It's a completely different landscape. You and I were talking about the money that's handed out by the NCAA, uh, the big difference between Power 5 and Group of 5. It's a shame in some ways um, of, of what college football has become. I've told, said it on this show before. What the NFL used to be, college football is now. What college football used to be, high school football is now. What high school football used to be, junior high and peewee and youth and all that is. Mm-hmm. It's a trickle-down effect. Well, you're right, and uh, for those listeners that may be too young to remember, it wasn't unusual for Southern Miss to be in the top 25. That was a pretty regular occurrence. 2000 squad actually got up to 13th that year in late November, or late October. You remember that year, we lost to Louisville at home, uh, we come back and we beat UAB, and I didn't mention this to Joy, but before um, Coach, uh, used, or Coach uh, Fedora came in, I, we were never allowed to wear white on white. And the reason mm-hmm. being is we wore white on white at Cincinnati that year and got beat up there, and Coach Bauer threw it in the garbage can. You know, uh-huh. you remember uh, the next week, remember the Mud Bowl against East Carolina? Right, right. And then, uh, then you end the season in the freezing Mobile Bowl. You win, and you get eight wins that year. But that 2000 squad, I've always felt like they were possibly an 11 win team that year, you know, mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the success they had. I like the simpler times too, when you had a couple of three uniforms and you wore them. You weren't going to have to guess what was the helmet decal going to be like this week. What, you know, what kind of uniform are we wearing? You knew what the uniforms were. You did. We, all our option was we had black pants or yellow pants, but we never went with the chicken yellow. The yellow highlighter. That's horrible. I, I don't like the yellow highlighter. No, it's so. horrible. It's like a big, uh, it's like human bananas running around on the it field, is. right? All right. When we come back, Patrick McGee going to join us a day early. We're going to be at walk-ons tomorrow in Hattiesburg. We'll be talking a little more about that later in the show, but we'll move Patrick up one day. The professor is next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, I want to thank Joy Pinkston for coming on to the first segment of the show. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Right there on the corner of 49 and Hardy Street in that vicinity, you'll find the uh, yellow and gold building. 
If you're in town, that's the biggest collection of Southern Miss swag you'll find anywhere on the planet. And if you're listening in other parts of the state this afternoon, you know by now you can just go to campusbookmart.net, shop, buy, and they will deliver it right to your front door. Our thanks to Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net. It's Wednesday. We're going to be on the road tomorrow and pending the arrival of some new equipment that will allow us to stay on our normal schedule, even when we're on the road. We're not quite there today, so we asked the professor to join us a day early, and we go down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast with the professor, Patrick McGee, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. All right, Patrick, uh, Golden Eagles get a nice road win uh, Wednesday or past Saturday night, and uh, now this week uh, face the Darth Vader of college football. Your thoughts about Saturday night's game, and what do the Golden Eagles have to do to stay on the field with the big, bad Bama Crimson Tide? Uh, well, Saturday night's game, I thought Southern Miss was, you know, just rolling on offense. I mean, they just uh, – I, I don't know if I've really you – know, I kind of look back to that Rice game. I think it might have been Nick's last year or, or junior year uh, to where they, you know, put up like 700 yards of offense against those guys. And, uh, what Southern Miss did Saturday at Troy was uh, kind of similar to that. I mean, they just really lit up the Trojans. And I, I was confident Southern Miss could score on Troy, but, I, I mean, just the way they were able to move the ball down the field, throwing the ball, uh, was was pretty surprising. Uh, Quez Watkins and Jalen Adams really dominated. Jack Abraham uh, was throwing the ball as pretty as I've seen ever seen a Southern quarterback uh, do it. <clears throat> but obviously, you got some concerns on uh, defense with the way he gave up uh, 500 passing mm-hmm. yards, and that plays into this game uh, Saturday against Alabama. Uh, it's, uh, that, that, if, if Southern Miss can't make a quick correction there uh, and really make significant process, progress going to the Alabama game, it's going to be a long day in, uh, at, at Alabama. So Southern Miss is uh, plenty to be encouraged about. That was a huge win that really puts them uh, ahead of things in terms of trying to uh, get their way into a bowl game. Uh, but, yeah, this Saturday just really sets up as probably not the greatest matchup. I'm a little confused in this respect. All preseason, uh, all the experts talked about how good Southern Miss would be defensively, how they would struggle offensively, but they get 600 yards in offense and give up over 40 points in defense. Uh, surprising to you? Yeah, I think everybody is pretty surprised, even Tim Billings and head coach Shea Hobbs. I mean, it's it's really that most of the problems on defense have been in the secondary. I mean, you'd like to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback, but the defensive lines play pretty well. Uh, the linebackers kind of have shown some inexperience at times, but uh, really the issue is in the secondary for Southern Miss. And you got your two corners back. You have uh, uh, safeties that have played a lot of football who, who were key contributors a year ago. Your nickelbacks uh, got the experience. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head. Um, why they go from last year being really a, a solid secondary to, to struggling. Uh, and that's why I'm confident they're going to get it turned around at some point. Uh, it's just kind of difficult to see them uh, making the progress necessary to hang with an Alabama. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's kind of baffling. I've never seen a, a defense at Southern Miss kind of really just kind of fall off the way they were a year ago. But, I mean, the, the front seven is fine. It's just they've got to get that secondary figured out at some point. And Alabama has a pretty good quarterback, don't they, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, uh, Tim Billings, <laughs> defense coordinator, call, you know, he, the, the scheme that Alabama runs is, you know, is somewhat similar to what they do at Alabama, but he called, you know, Alabama Troy on steroids. 
Uh, I mean, you got a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, the uh, best batch of receivers probably in college football, and you know Alabama's always going to have a good running back and good offensive line. So uh, this is, yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a challenge to slow down Alabama on its home field, and and uh, Tua is as accurate as any quarterback in the nation, and he really runs the show really well. So I know he's looking, watching film of that Troy game and of the state game, kind of looking at his chops right now. Patrick, from a schematic uh, perspective, I felt like against Mississippi State, the only way we could get pressure was when we had to bring, you know, uh, even a, a sixth or seventh man. And mm-hmm. so you got to bring the nickel or you got to bring a safety. And uh, that's when those corners, you know, just get in trouble. Well, just this past weekend, they were playing soft on like three, you know, third and five. They're playing five or six yards off. Do you think it's a scheme or do you think it's that um, we, the, the front fork just hadn't been able to get pressure? You know, I mean, they were able to get some pressure uh, Saturday, especially early. Uh, but I think they maybe, you know, uh, just kind of really made, made a step towards improving their pass, pass protection, giving the quarterback a little bit more time. And he just had all the time in the world back there to throw it. So, uh, and those those receivers were steady, wide open. Uh, I, you know, yeah, it, it does seem like the Southern Miss DBs are giving a lot of cushion out there, and uh, it seems like every time a Troy or a State or a Troy receiver catches the ball, they got plenty of space to work around them. Uh, the week before, I thought State size in the at the receiver kind of played a role, uh, where they were able to go up high and get some balls, even kind of push around the Southern Miss corners. Uh, that wasn't the case against Troy. They were really just kind of uh, quicker uh, than the Southern Miss DBs, and you saw uh, some of those, you know, Southern Miss uh, safeties and in the Nickelback kind of trailing in coverage. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, been a nightmare the last two weeks for the Southern Miss secondary. Uh, I, I don't understand why there's been such a, you know, a, a drop off for that secondary compared to what they did a year ago. Uh, but it's something that has to be addressed before conference play. I mean, this is a game that we've always kind of looked at as being out of reach, uh, but at the same time, maybe if you show up and just hang with those Alabama receivers a little bit, uh, you can get a little confidence off of it. So uh, so those guys, those Southern Miss DBs are kind of maybe in need of a boost, and it's really tough to uh, get that really kind of changing confidence against a team like Alabama as good as they are in the passing game. I reminded our listeners yesterday, Chip Lindsey did have two weeks to prepare for us. That could have had, you know, something sure. to do with it. But anyway, um, Chip Lindsey for two weeks is probably the same as Steve Sarkeesian for one week, and that's who the Eagles have to face yeah. this week. Um, uh, it, it's not good. Jack Abraham's your third uh, leading rusher on um, Saturday, and maybe the, the, the game, the pace of the game dictated that. But I'll tell you what, this is offensive line, the struggles we've had in the rushing game, they're doing a great job in pass protection. Yeah, yeah, I think they've done a really good job. And I, I think maybe struggles in the ground game are a little bit overstated. They just didn't need to run the ball Saturday. They just kind of chunked it, and they didn't really have many big carries or anything like that. You're right, they just didn't break many. But uh, the focus is on the passing game just because it was coming so easy. I mean, you got two receivers right around 200 yards, and Jack Abraham uh, completes his first 17 passes. Whenever it's, whenever it's going good, you stick with it. And they had to just as well as you know as as, as Troy was moving up down the field, like you mentioned the pace. Uh, so I think the ground game is fine. I, I've been encouraged what I've seen out of Michael Harris and, and Kevin Perkins and and the direct snap to Steven Anderson at times worked really well against Troy. I think maybe they went back to the well one, you know one or two many times on uh, one or two too many times on that. Uh, but I, I think the ground game is it has shown shown signs of progress last couple of weeks you would have liked to run it a little bit better at Troy but 
I think once they get in the conference play, I, I think they'll run the ball fine. Eagles have beat Alabama in every decade since uh, 1982. You win in 82, you win in 90, you win in 2000. It's your last chance to keep the four, decades, the four decade streak alive you know, against Bama. You want to put Patrick, a wager on that streak? We've already wagered it, but it's not official. So anyway, Patrick, what is a, other than the 1.5 million reasons why we're playing this game, what constitutes a win in Tuscaloosa for the Southern Miss football program on Saturday? Uh, you don't stump him much, Bob. You don't stump him much. Maybe, maybe it's the game of the half. I mean, that's kind of the way I look at it. You go in the half feeling okay about yourself, and that you don't let Tua and that those receivers just, you know, just totally tear you up. Uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, you're looking for something positive in the secondary, and for Southern Miss to maybe get in the end zone two to three times. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, it's a, what, a 39-point spread. I don't really disagree with that. Uh, but I could see something along the lines of, say, a, a 52-21 to a 21 game or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Southern Miss just has to show little signs of progress here and there uh, just to give themselves a little bit of confidence going into the conference play. Well, the good news, guys, is with the exception of when they play Ole Miss, Saban doesn't show a tendency to run the score up on anybody. So it could be, yeah. Patrick, that I know how terrible this sounds, but it, the score could be dictated by how well USM's number one group can compete against the second and third group of Alabama. Is that, that That's not unfair to say, is it? No, that's that's about right. I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. Saban doesn't really kind of put the pedal to the metal uh, in these games if if they get out, especially get out and get that early lead. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the spread is forty points, but I don't think it's necessarily going to end up being that way. So yeah, it's it's kind of hard to bet on Alabama when we consider that spread. But yeah, I, I, it, Southern Miss just got to show up and compete and give fans a little bit of reason to be encouraged going to the conference play. Uh, have you got a few minutes you can hang around? Yeah, sure. Uh, I want you to console my buddy Luke about his Saints when we come back. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald on the Eagle Hour. We'll continue our conversation with the professor right after this. We're back on a Wednesday third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, 895 Daily Lunch. Drop into 4th Street Bar and Grill and check out some great Southern Miss memorabilia and some really good food. We continue with Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald. And uh, before we move on to the Saints, Patrick, a couple questions uh, uh, for Southern Miss. Uh, I know you've told me for the nth time uh, that we don't discuss injuries. The coaching staff doesn't discuss injuries, our injuries. But I saw in the uh, press conference, Jay Hobson acted like Rakeem Booth was going to be okay because he said we were going to play him Saturday against Alabama. 
Uh, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, Jay, <laughs> I, I, you know, Jay likes to kind of, you know, put some stuff out there that uh, may or may not happen on Saturday because he, he hates to give out any little bit of information <laughs> uh, to the opposing team. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, have, I don't know what the extent of Rakeem Booth's injury is, but he was standing on the sideline in a boot. Uh, at the end of Saturday's game, and I mean, in the way he was helped off, it, it didn't seem like something that you could really make a kind of quick turnaround. But we'll see. Uh, uh, maybe they got a good diagnosis on it or something. But I, I'm kind of skeptical that Rakeem would be available. So that that would mean that Hayes Maples would start again, correct? Yeah, yeah. I would think uh, Hayes. May, they they named him the Defensive Player of the Week for the team. Uh, so I was, you know, that's kind of a positive sign. They must like what they've seen out of him. So yeah, I would think Hayes Maples. Uh, he's got a chance to be on the field. If, if not starting, he should be on the field a fair amount. Hey, Patrick, all week long, every time we mention Drew Brees around Luke, he kind of tears up and whimpers a little bit. What, what is your what what is your observation? I mean, I, it seems to me that losing to the Rams in the second week of the season is not that big a deal. But losing Drew Brees is the worst news New Orleans could have. Am I wrong about that? No, I mean, you're right. The only good news is he's, you know, supposedly out, you know, six six or seven weeks or something like that. So you get him back for the home stretch. Uh, you just have to kind of keep things uh, together in the time being. And then Bridgewater's, you know, shown in the past he's got the potential to uh, uh, lead this team to some, some wins. Now, he has yet to really kind of uh, show that as a saint. Of course, he hasn't been put in great situations in regular season games, especially last week. And but in the preseason he wasn't the sharpest. I know one game he was out there with like the flu or something. Uh, so Bridgewater just hasn't really been in a position to uh, to really run with that first team and, and show everybody what he, can, what he can do. And he's got another tough road environment that he's going into uh, this Sunday. So uh, you know this is a team that that the Saints can beat. They can beat the Seahawks, but a lot of it rests on the shoulders of Bridgewater. I'm, I'm personally a proponent of trying to get. Have both Bridgewater and Hill on the field. I don't know if that's kind of a tough ask, considering all the different roles that Hill, Taysom Hill plays. But yeah, losing, losing Drew Brees, that hurts. I mean, that's just the that's the one guy in the field that you can't afford to be without if you're going to uh, be a Super Bowl contender. But they can survive uh, the next few weeks, even though it's a it's a brutally tough schedule. If Hill, Hill's your backup quarterback, he looks sensational during the preseason, but. It would seem to be that you really you got to limit the amount of time he's on the field because you can't take a chance on him getting hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know who the practice squad quarterback is or who the who's this. I I don't know if the Luke. You may have known. Have they picked up any quarterback in the last week or so? I've been checking it out. I hadn't seen anything, but I'll look. Yeah. I you mean, know, guys, yeah, right now, if you were, if actually they did, they signed J.T. Barrett oh, out of okay. Ohio State. He's yeah, been signed he's been to the practice the squad. Yeah, yeah, so he would at least know the offense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, maybe if they think they have the confidence in JT, uh, you know, they might could roll with Taysom a little bit at quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he plays, he'll plays. he plays an important role, and you had a couple of injuries at receiver last week. It's, uh, that was a tough trip out to L.A. It's, it's a pretty big setback for the Saints. You know, you look back last year at Philadelphia, and they had Nick Foles as a backup. So important. I think right. right now probably the, the, the team in the best position in quarterback, oddly, is San Francisco mm-hmm. with Nick Mullins as your backup quarterback. Now, how valuable 
Uh, Professor, is it to have a kid like Mullins as your backup in the National Football League? Well, that's rare. I mean, and Bridgewater was considered, you know, he's the highest paid backup in the NFL, and for good reason. I mean, uh, Teddy had a good preseason with the Jets. Uh, last year, Saints acquired him. You know, he was a Pro Bowl player with the Vikings. He's perfectly capable of going out there for 280, uh, 300 yards. He just got to, you know, you hope a full week of practice with the first string and, and game planning with Sean Payton kind of puts him in that position. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's having a strong number two, I mean, in pretty much every position, especially quarterback. I, I know the Steelers right now are probably, even though Mason Rudolph, they like him. Uh, it's whenever you have a, a bell cow at quarterback and he goes down, that's uh, uh, if you rely heavily on him, you better have somebody that can kind of step in and fill those shoes for a while. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I want to see them give Bridgewater a week, especially Saints fans, to, yeah, to prep. Yeah. It's like Ron Zook. You follow Steve Spurrier, and you win eight wins, and you get mm-hmm. fired, you know. I mean, you get it's, it's just crazy the, the way some people think. I don't think you abandon Bridgewater uh, until he makes you abandon him. I think Taysom Hill is one of the best athletes in the National Football League, but I would like to see Bridgewater be able to actually prep and start a game and uh, just go through the, the ebb and flow of what everybody else does before you cast judgment that he, he can't fill in for And The Saints may have enough talent to run the ball and play good defense and stay in ball games like that. Sure. It actually and, the game when, the uh, game I was, was, was going to make a referee comment here, Patrick, but I, I'm going to abstain. Am I right about I mean, that, though, Patrick? Yeah. Well, there in the first half, the Saints were playing the type of game uh, where they could have potentially pulled that one out and they get to turn over – and there's an errant whistle, and that kills, uh, takes a touchdown off the board for the Saints. Oh, so that really you hear right that, in. Bob? He, he jumped right out when you said that. Do you hear that, Bob? <laughs> it is legit. I mean, it was a bad whistle. I mean, that's you got to let the play play out. You just can't uh, be that quick. I mean, it was it was a really bad moment by the referees. Now the Saints probably still don't win that football game, uh, but you know you're you, what you know you're going you're in a, a tie ball game at that point. Uh, going into the half, it just really would have kind of changed the game. Still, a t- still a tough ask for the Saints in that situation, but uh, uh, the Saints yeah. are perfectly capable of running the ball and playing good defense and winning football games. I agree. We just hate to see a guy, a classy guy like Breeze, at this point of his career. You hate to see him this a long period. But, but Patrick, I mean, you look at league wide. Andrew Luck retires. Roethlisberger's done uh, for the season. Breeze is injured. Cam Newton doesn't know what's going on in his body, he, and, Eli, and Eli Manning yeah, is benched. I mean, this is pretty yeah. uh, substantial. This doesn't happen, but maybe once every 10, 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of instability at quarterback that we haven't seen really in recent years. I mean, Drew Brees was the, you know starting games forever. I mean, Tom Brady's really only lost one season to injury throughout his career, so the <laughs> league have really done a good job of protecting their uh, quarterbacks, and it's just kind of a confluence of events that haven't worked out for a lot of guys this season. So, Patrick, you're our go-to guy. You you keep up with sports more than any of us. What the hell has happened to Cam Newton? What is he thinking with these bizarro outfits he's wearing? <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, what he's wearing, I have uh, little concern with. But just watching him throw a football is just painful. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Yeah. I think he got over 300 yards last week, but I don't. I don't know how. I mean, those. The, he's always had kind of a funky motion. And he's just progressively getting worse as a passer, and that's rare for uh, a guy his age and been in the league this long to see him kind of regress as a quarterback. But that's that's what we've seen. I, you know, I maybe he's not quite healthy or something, but 
he did, he did, he didn't look right last week throwing the football. In in that post game presser, he's sitting there. He looks like little Blue Riding Hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he makes good. some he makes some statement like, "I'm just gonna have to look at myself in a mirror." And and and, yeah. and somebody said, "Dude, yeah. you have never looked at him in a mirror with what you're wearing." Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's well, another I, there's another NFL player, and his name slips my mind. But someone told me yesterday that he was seen. Uh, walking down the street in San Francisco in full drag in a dress. Have you have you heard about that? Either one of you guys heard uh, about that? That's news to me. But I know Gardner Minshew. He stepped off the plane wearing like full like nineteen seventy three disco garb with like a sparkly shirt. Mustache fits it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just he's a he's a character, and I you know I'm kind of I'd like to see him do well at Jacksonville. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I don't you know. I guess quarterbacks these days they got to got to be a little flashy. I saw a great uh, I saw a great thing on Facebook the other day. It said uh, football then, and it had a close up picture of Jack Lambert missing teeth, sweat, and dirt on his face. Football yeah. now, and it have Cam Newton uh, with the little red Riding Hood outfit on. So, yeah. all right, Patrick. Well, look, we always appreciate your insight, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you. I think about the aftermath of the Alabama game next week. Sounds good. All right. Patrick McGee, everybody, our go-to guy when it comes to sports, the professor at the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Just out from uh, Yahoo Sports, Saints fans out there, Sean Payton just said he had a conference call and said that Breeze has had one opinion, but he's going to get a second opinion before he has surgery. I'd be going ahead and getting something done. Would you get get getting on the road back to healing up? Now they've lost a week. The Esquire sent me a picture. It has Cam Newton on the left. And Queen Elizabeth on the right, and it's a question, who wore it better? (laughs) And who's starting Saturday for the Panthers? We'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun Herald joining us in the second and third segment. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Gulfport Home Center, located on Highway 49 in Gulfport. More room for you, more room for your family. Gulfport Home Center. Uh, Bob, interesting here. The first. College football bowl projections oh, no. are available for us. Southern Miss, uh, first <laughs> off, one has us in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Of course, every we're always in the New Orleans Bowl until anything changes. Against uh, the University of Louisiana, also known as Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cages. ULL. Another one has us in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl in Dallas against... Texas Tech. There you go. I need to make one clarification. I said that about the uh, NFL player 
being seen on the street in a dress and heels. It was actually Kelly Santer. I apologize. Oh wow! For that. Yeah, that's um, just low. Make sure that we're make make sure that we're accurate in our assessments here. <laughs> so Eagles getting ready to take on Alabama. Um, I'll I'll share a couple more stories uh, tomorrow. But I remember as a redshirt freshman in 2002, uh, we we went into to Bryant Denny. I think I'd been at maybe one game before, but we went through our walkthrough, and you go in. To Bryant Denny, and this is before they added on, so there was about eighty-four. You know, now it's closer right at hundred. And I was mesmerized because the field looked so small, because the stadium was so big. Right. And I just remember um, when when we were in our locker rooms. Our locker rooms at that time were right up the tunnel, so you would go out in the side tunnel and you'd go underneath the stadium. You'd dress around the stadium, and man, it was so cool doing that. So the next day. We come out and uh, it was it was uh, thundering a little bit, and every single game we ever played there, they always played "Beautiful Day" by U two. So it's like it's like rain, it's about to rain. There's thunder in the sky, and U two is just blaring, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is a very iconic place to play, and oh, yeah. we talk about we we talked about it a little bit yesterday too. Why do you play one of these games? Because you want your guys to be able to play in big time college football environments, and that's what they have this weekend. My favorite Alabama memory is uh, the year that the, the Eagles beat the Tide in Tuscaloosa, and uh, the Eagles ran the option play a lot. And I remember early in the game them running the option play, and the Alabama defenders crashed in on Sam DeJournette, and Reggie turned it upfield with the football and went about 70 yards wow. for the touchdown. Later in the first half, they ran the same play, and half of the Alabama defensive team crashed in on Reggie only to realize that at the last second he had pitched the ball to Sam Dujarnet. Nobody paid him any attention. He went about 70 yards down the sidelines and won the game. And that's what, you know, this weekend I'm hoping Jalen Adams breaks one. I'm hoping Quez breaks one. But Dad has a picture. My dad has a picture of Bear walking off um, after that game. It's kind of the same one that Sheila has in the studio here in in downtown Laurel. Um, But Dad always told me about that game. It was a year before I was born. And – he said that Seymour um, was toting around this bag in pregame. He had like had this sack, and somehow Seymour climbs up on the crossbar right. in front say. of the USM section. He reaches in and he pulls out this teddy bear and he just starts choking it. And the Southern Miss fan base went wild, and Seymour got kicked out of the game. Right. But it was a sign of things to come. Security came and arrested Seymour and took him out of the game. I remember that. I was remember it a, like that. a burl, a big old burlap sack, like a Santa yeah. Claus and sack? He, and he had a bear. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> you remember one time too? There was a what started out as sort of a friendly tussle between Seymour and the elephant got out of control. And both of the mascots lost their tempers and really started going after each other on the sidelines. They were throwing each other in the nets and all this <laughs> stuff. There's so many, so many. I was telling a guy last night in the 04 game, we had a punt formation that we would shift out of. So 2004, it's one thing when you do it in practice, but what it entailed was it was an empty set and I line up at quarterback. And so when the game came, you hear the fight song all week and, and all this stuff. I get under center at Bryant-Denny Stadium, looking across the line at the Crimson Tide, five receivers, you know, spread out. And I'm like, if Daigle, if Stephen Daigle snaps the football right now, I am a dead man. <laughs> across the way on the punt return team was a kid from Laurel, Mississippi that had moved to Florida. We grew up playing uh, 
we, we, his name's Carlos Andrews. We grew up, grew up playing Little League to each other. And I'm under center in Bryant Denny, and I'm looking around, and Carlos, he saw my wide eyes. He said, Luke Johnson, you ain't going to do nothing. You ain't going to do nothing at all. And then, thankfully, we shifted out of it and punted the ball away. But uh, just being under center in Bryant Denny on a pre-snap punt was something to bubble. Come on, didn't you want your chance to lower that shoulder and knock a couple of those tied defenders out of your way, headed to pay dirt? I threw a pass the year before and completed it. That was enough for me. Uh, look, there were some great times uh, going to Alabama games. Uh, always going, Luke, with the expectation of winning. Many, many close games well into the fourth quarter. Just some some great memories of playing the Crimson Tide. And how do you not have respect for the Crimson Absolutely. Tide? Absolutely. And so that, that's what we've been trying to remember this week and, and think through. Tomorrow we'll be at Walk-Ons. Correct. Vic Purvis is going to join us Vic tomorrow. Purvis. And who knows? Drew may be there. He's got a lot of time on his hands. He owns the joint. We'll look forward to that. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. That'd be pretty cool. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.